Hi, this is JP Mack, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Hello, everybody. I am indeed JP Mack, your host, and welcome to another Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. And today is going to be a great episode um, because this is going to might have to entitle this like the rant episode because I'm going to do a lot of ranting and a lot of off-the-cuff stuff that I don't even know I'm going to say. Uh, that's largely because uh, I have uh, basically no show plan for tonight. Um, I know, uh, probably asking yourself, well, JP, how's that different than any other uh, week? And that's a fair question, but uh, tonight I have very little um, news. I mean, all of the news is the same. You have Hunter Biden up to his old tricks, and Joe Biden, all that uh, family corruption. Maybe we'll talk about that uh, a little bit. Um, so maybe we'll have a little bit of structure to tonight's show, but not too much, I promise. And so, yeah, this, this show is uh, due to go off the rails at some point, but it'll be a glorious thing. Hopefully it will be interesting. Uh, so, uh, without any further ado, uh, let's get into our first news story. And so, our news story this week as usual, comes from John Solomon and John Solomon Reports, Just the News. Um, and this one's on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, of course. So, like I said, what else is new? And this one's entitled, Hunter Biden trial would mean President Biden as witness, Hunter's lawyers said. And so I'm just going to bring this up. And, oh, okay, here's the entire... Hunter Biden's trial would mean President Biden. I don't know why. All right, let's start over. Hunter Biden trial would mean President as witness. Hunter's lawyers said in plea negotiations. And in this article by Madeline Hubbard of Just the News, uh, she writes: Hunter Biden's attorneys said during. Plea deal negotiations with Justice Depart the Justice Department that if the first son were put on trial, President Joe Biden would be called to testify for the defense. New documents reveal. Additionally, earlier this year, U.S. Attorney for Delaware David Weiss appeared willing to completely avoid prosecuting Hunter Biden. For any crimes, documents obtained Saturday by the New York Times and Political Show. And so that's right there because we know that since then, uh, David Weiss has been appointed the, um, they're called the Special Counsel, I guess I think it's called, um, for this whole uh, Hunter Biden crime family syndicate uh, thing. And... Which, of course, is illegal because the uh, special prosecutor 
cannot be from the United States government. And of course, this person is. He is a federal prosecutor in the state of Delaware. He is the U.S. attorney for the state of Delaware, is David Weiss. And so that is, again, the rules. And you are not allowed to be working for the United States government. You have to come from outside of the United States government in order to be a um, special prosecutor, to have that status. The whole idea is that you're supposed to be independent of the Department of Justice uh, framework, which, of course... uh, David Weiss is not. And of course, uh, depending on who you believe, if you want to believe the testimony of the uh, IRS whistleblowers, they said that David Weiss kind of uh, passed on the um, prosecution of uh, Hunter Biden and on certain things uh, you know that would lead the investigation in the direction that would take it to his father. And so, but uh, David Weiss and, well, Garland said that David Weiss had all the power he needed to do bring any charges that he needed where, wherever he wanted. He had complete authority to do whatever he wanted to do. Uh, according to David Weiss, he said he tried to take charges to California and he tried to take charges to D.C. and they said pass and pass. After all, we are blue states and we're not going to uh, prosecute anybody connected to a Democrat. And so no thank you, said the states of California and uh, the District of Columbia. And so I guess uh, David Weiss didn't really try really hard to uh, do those prosecutions because he just let it go. He said, okay, fine. He said, no. And then uh, David Weiss basically just said, uh, oh, okay. Um, Which kind of contradicts or does not jive with what was said by Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland said that he had all the the um, power he needed. Apparently, David Weiss didn't. Um, And, of course, because he didn't uh, pursue certain prosecutions in connection with uh, Hunter Biden, um, some of the more serious charges that that would be tax felonies um, were allowed to uh, run, run past their um, statute of limitations. They're, they're uh, allowed to uh, wait out the statute of limitations. But now, hey, now all that statute of limitations is uh, run out. And by the way, um, a lot of that stuff would have connected uh, Hunter Biden to the, to the president. And so um, that's pretty convenient, uh, I'd say. And so they, they allowed that, they slow walked the investigation, and they said, oops, I'm sorry, uh, it just took too long, darn it, um, we're just not going to be able to do this prosecution. And so that was the testimony of the two IRS whistleblowers. Now, David Weiss said that he uh, tried to bring prosecutions, he was denied, obviously, like I said, didn't, must not have tried very hard. But Merrick Garland 
um, said that he had all the uh, clout, all the power he needed. So those two things cannot be true. Uh, either Weiss had all the power he needed, and he could have said, uh, screw you to the states that told him no, the attorneys that uh, told him no, prosecutors that told him no, and said, yeah, we're going to prosecute this in District of Columbia and California. Anyhow, thank you very much. Um, he could have done that, uh, but he didn't. Did he not do it because he didn't have the power, which means that Merrick Garland lied, or did he didn't do it because he just didn't uh, feel like it, didn't have sufficient motivation to take all that trouble. Um, so we don't know. And hopefully that will come out. But um, getting back to this particular news story, um, again, uh, still talking about Weiss here. Uh, it says, Weiss nearly ended the investigation without requiring a guilty plea, but his office's position changed in the spring, coinciding with the time that IRS whistleblowers investigating Hunter Biden testified to House Republicans that the Justice Department interfered in their probe. Weiss suddenly urged Biden to plead guilty to the tax charges. Huh. About that. He was just going to let it slide, and he's uh, too honest, um, believe it or not, uh, IRS investigators. Uh, yes, apparently there are honest people in the IRS. Um, they said uh, he interfered. And that the, they were um, being stymied in their investigation. And so, basically, Weiss said, well, oops, I gotta do something, so let's put out this uh, plea deal, and then Hunter will say yes, and it'll all go away. Well, the judge uh, that heard that plea deal uh, had some basic questions, like, saying, so are you saying that there'll be no more investigation into other charges, like uh, the Farah charges against Hunter? And then basically um, the uh, Weiss and his team said, um, well, uh, and then the judge says, okay, all right, um, let's let's try this again in a few weeks, shall we? When you have a better answer for me. And so we're going to see, I guess, pretty soon what that answer is going to be. Now, see, we all know that the reason is they, they on one hand, they wanted to close the case because they don't want, they have no interest in prosecuting any anybody linked to any prominent Democrat. And, of course, the president is the most prominent Democrat, believe it or not, in the country at the moment. Um, so they don't want to do that. They have no interest in doing that. They figure that, you know, what, what's the use? You know, we have our own uh, justice system. Let's not mess it up. Um, all of that, all those rules are just for the little people and Republicans and those people. That's not for us. And so some people might say that's a double standard, but it's actually one standard 
that they are keeping, they are keeping that, um, that unjustified means and that it's not fair because they're so great that they should have to go through the same, uh, system of justice that everybody else are, uh, you know, our regular, uh, plebs have to go through. And so they're, they see that themselves as above it all. And so they just said, nah, we're just not going to do it. Um, but the judge said, eh, yeah, maybe you're going to have to. Um, so that's where we are now. Um, all right, can get back to the article. A draft of the plea deal from Biden's attorneys would have uh, protected the first son and three business associates with him so long as he admitted to the three alleged crimes, promised to pay any back taxes, paid his taxes on time for the next five years, and never owned a gun again. So long as Biden followed the bargain through January 2025, the Justice Department would promise not to prosecute him for anything they had investigated so far. And that's the problem that the judge has. Like, well, you investigated him something, some stuff not related to the charges. Like, aren't you investigating him on fair violations? You know, the Foreign Agent uh, Registration Act. And they said, well, yeah, yeah. Um, and the reason that they, they, of course, did that is because when, you know, they're also in Congress. Now, if there was a Democrat Congress, they'd probably sweep it all on their rugs. But since the GOP is in charge of the House right now and are having their committee hearings and are calling witnesses like these two IRS whistleblowers and doing things like that, they can't easily get away with some of their shenanigans that maybe they would uh, get away with uh, under the previous administration under Nancy Pelosi. Um, so they have to, they know that they're going to be hauled in front of, uh, house, uh, panels, uh, committees, uh, one sort or another. And they want to be able to say there, well, you know, this is in reference to an ongoing investigation and they want to hold on to that excuse for as long as they can. So they don't have to answer any inconvenient questions. And so that's why they want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to be able to say there's no investigation. Meanwhile, they don't want to investigate uh, anything regarding to the Bidens. So that is uh, what happened with that. It's a little dodgy. And of course, um, this... Uh, I guess the attorney for uh, Hunter here is saying, well, you know, that would create such a, a constitutional crisis. We can't have this. Let's just uh, go back to Hunter not having to uh, serve any time. Um, the the so-called sweetheart plea deal. That conveniently also keeps his father out of the courtroom. And that's what they're really afraid of. They do not want... Uh, his father, uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., uh, taking the oath. They don't want him under oath for any reason for a single second. And so, uh, Democrats or the uh, Hunter Biden legal team, uh, 
pretty much the same thing. Um, are going to have to figure out what they want to do. And right now they're just going to stall, stall, stall for time, obviously. Uh, meanwhile, of course, you have the prosecute or the persecution and prosecution of uh, former President Trump. He was uh, charged in Atlanta, Fulton County, uh, not too long ago about some basically well uh, BS charges. It's a RICO. They're trying to use the RICO statute because you know they can't really shoehorn their case into a conspira- conspiracy. Uh, okay, so they're trying to use RICO. RICO obviously was meant for racketeering and organized crime. It wasn't meant for anything like that, but didn't stop the um, the prosecutor or the the DA there in Fulton County. And so you So I am going to uh, add a flag to my podcast here um, to signal on to now we're going on to the deep end to uncharted territory so this is the fun part that I warned you about um, this loosely outlined thoughts um, my ranting is I'm telling you right now probably will go off the rails at some time All right, so let's begin the less structured portion of the show. Now, you probably thought that the previous portion of the show was the less less structured portion, but this is even less structured, I assure you. Um, But it is not without any structure, uh, because a couple months ago, I just put out a blurb there. uh, It's the title, Progressive Hate. Uh, Basically, I say, the left claims to hate fascists. Apparently, it's not the arresting and killing of political opponents, part of fascism they hate. Obviously, they obviously love that part. They love uh, prosecuting, going after Trump. They love taking out their political rivals like any good fascist regime would. So that's obviously not the part of fascism they hate. Um, yeah, they seem perfectly fine with that. That uh, must be the nationalism. And But there are some other things, too. Um, so let's look at some other fa- um, facets of fascism. Um, that maybe the left they um, are against. Um, so one major facet of fascism is basically the micromanagement of the government into people's lives, directing how corporations can do business. Uh, left, so far as I can tell, don't seem to have any problem with that. Obviously, they want a very huge regulatory state, um, so they're not um, they have no problem with creating regulations that interfere with the normal, I guess, commerce of the United States of the, the country. And so they want to have their input in every board boardroom in the country and some states. Are, um, are more prone to that than others, like California. I think uh, if a company is over a certain amount, uh, certain size, uh, they have to have some sort of diversity in the board. They have to have a certain number of females, a uh, certain number of minorities in the board. Um, so it's obviously not that part of fascism that um, are concerned about. Obviously, they have to board into the socialist communism where they want uh, all ownership of everything to be by the state. Uh, they seem to be their ultimate goal. Um, but really, I mean, that's what they're selling. That's what they're selling to their members. Everybody's going to be equal. There's going to be equity and all these great buzzwords. And there's going to uh, all these great things. There's not going to be disparity in pay between um, male and female or any races. It's all Everybody's going to be paid the same. Um, the problem with that, of course, every good capitalist knows and every good uh, libertarian knows is not everybody is made the same. Not everybody has the same ideas, same business acumen, the same drive, the same uh, whatever. 
education levels. And so there's always going to be that curve where a certain 10 to 20% is going to be at the top. And then you're going to have another 10 to 20% at the bottom. And most people are going to be in the middle, neither really great or really low. And so you always have that factor when you have the uh, Prieto distribution, it's called. Well, a certain amount of leets that are much more, you know, the kind of like the 80-20 rule where 20% of the work is, or 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people, or 80% of the wealth is gathered or earned by 20% of the people. So that's the Pareto distribution kind of at work there. So, but the socialists want none of that because they don't like meritocracy. Meritocracy, if you were paying attention to last week's podcast, um, where I talk about meritocracy is an individualist um, feature. It is a individualist concept. It is not something that is um, so, done here. The on oh yeah, that's me. Or fascism, I said, um, and I say that quite deliberately, because the left wants to get away with uh, us or rewriting history that the fascists in Europe in the 20th century did not, were not an offshoot of the socialists, and we of course know better. So I always want to make sure everybody knows that. So what other wisdom did I lay on you last week? Um, here's a little portion of it and hold the microphone up to it so you're gonna hear some crazy noises all right here you go each of these ideologies subordinate the will and needs of the individual to that of the collective it should come as no surprise then that a focus on group rather than individual identity is paramount also, it is not surprising that collective punishment is part of the leftist way. Neither is it any wonder that meritocracy, which is a function of the individual, is not valued to nearly the degree it is by the right. But and I couldn't have put it better myself, although I can, I can try to put it better myself. Um, but yeah, it is, uh, my point there is that meritocracy is an individual sport. It is not a group sport. You can only uh, earn merit for yourself. Now you, you can, you know, collectively, I guess a, a group can, uh, earn merit as a group, but you, an individual, you know, you earn your merit, you know, you're the only name going on the top of your resume. And so what you put in the body of that resume is all up to you. You can't say, well, the group I was in did this. Um, you have to say what you did, what you contributed. Um, and so that's the difference. Meritocracy is an uh, individual sport. Okay, shut up me. All right. Um, but yeah, and so that is one of the things they don't like is individualism. Um, 
so when individualism, um, and you can tell this uh, with the rise of like like the CRT and and all of that and anti so-called anti-racism, which of course is racism, but they call it anti-racism. Um, all of that was wrapped up because remember when um, Martin Luther King Jr. said that you know. You know, he dreams of a world where uh, people are judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And so uh, some people in the black community said, thought about that and said, like, mm, I don't know. Um, let's, um, let's think about that one. Now, most people, most right-minded people say, think that Martin Luther King Jr. was correct and that he was on something really good and that people should be judged upon their own merits and their own faults and such that they should be judged as individuals, not as members of a group. That's not convenient if you're doing things like trying to win reparations and stuff like that. So anyway, that, that thinking is no good. So, um, but in fascism though, you don't really have, you don't really operate as an individual. Um, like I said, nothing, you know, as far as that goes, you know, there's nothing outside of the state of value, uh, nothing of, uh, nothing against the, the state, you know, n you know, nothing of value outside the state, everything of value inside the state and nothing against the state. That is the fascist credo. And so that means you had to be, you as an individual had to match up, overlap what your goals had to overlap uh, with the, what the state want, what the fascist party wanted. Um, and so that doesn't sound too much like uh, the left would have any problem with that. Um, they have no problem. Uh, you can vote for whoever, whoever you want as long as it's a Democrat, right, or, or a socialist, but there's not enough of them yet to win anything, so yet they're going with Democrats for now. Um, and you can vote for whoever you want as long as it's the person that they tell you to. Um, so right now they want you to vote for Joe Biden. I think they're going to change their mind about that. And so they're going to change their mind and change their candidate. And then that's only going to be the only good candidate that you can, that a right-minded person of value of, of, I don't know, uh, any moral standing is going to vote for Joe Biden because of reasons that uh, conveniently all are self-serving to them. Um, and so I said, I, I did warn you, by the way. That I was going to rant here, and so that's where um, the rent part comes in right about now. Is that they don't seem to worry about uh, state control. I mean, they would like to have everything under the control of the state, even ownership of the means of production and things like that. Um, the only difference, really, the only major difference between fascism and socialism is that state. Is that there's like a nominal um, individual uh, right to own property, but really you own the property in name only, um, just as long as long as you use your property in a way that the state approves. And so that's really 
not too different than anything that a socialist want either. It's just, uh, um, you know, what they're calling the ultimate, the state or the people or what have you. So they don't seem to have any problem with that. They obviously don't have problems, again, with having, uh, inserting themselves into the boardrooms of every major corporation and having their roles. Um, really the only, um, place where they, uh, differ with is when it comes to, I guess, like the nominal, I'll say again, um, the, the nominal claim of, uh, private ownership. You can be a private ownership, but you're going to have to be one of that elite class. Uh, otherwise you will own nothing and you'll like it. Um, that is the world that the left and that the elite are driving at today. So it's kind of a map, it's not socialism, which would be a very big disappointment to some of the people on the left, but they don't tell you that. The people uh, at the World Economic Forum don't let that part slip. That's not true socialism, no matter how you like socialism. It is, in fact, fascism. We just don't call it fascism, call it something else. Stickholder capitalism, but yeah, it's, it's fascism. And so what that does is a group of oligarchs, instead of the state, one big state, like person like Mussolini or Hitler at the very top of the, of the pyramid, you have a group at the top, and they're all, they all have their lanes. You have an oligarchy. So you might have someone who is in charge of all energy decisions, have what, you, what kind of stove you can have, what kind of fuel you can burn, what kind of car you can drive. And another person is going to make the monetary decisions, and they're going to obviously want you to use their currency, which they can track online and see exactly what you bought with it. And then someone else is going to do something else. They're going to be in charge of, I don't know, mismanaging our resources. Um, like is being accused of the uh, Forest Department, Forestry Service in uh, Hawaii right now, among other places. They're having the wildfires, very tragic. Probably I would be willing to uh, bet there's some sort of mismanagement where they just have not been uh, clear-cutting or allowing logging in the, those forests. And certainly a lot of evidence that people were, were um, throwing up red flags and alarms everywhere. And the government was just like, mm -hmm, uh, uh, what was that? Oh, and people are, you know, screaming. It's like, hey, uh, we have a tinderbox here. The next hurricane that comes by in a certain way, which a hurricane did come by eventually, um, you're going to have all that grassland burning and you're going to have a real problem on your hands. And of course the, uh, you know, you have Joe Biden whistling as our, uh, Joe Biden fiddling as Maui burns. Um, so yeah, I had to get that dig in as I can. But, um, again, this is the rant episode. So I'm allowed to do that. All right. So, so the, um, so kind of to recap what we have so far, the left doesn't seem to mind too much about the political persecutions. Um, cause obviously they haven't got enough of, uh, putting, uh, trying to put, um, Donald J. Trump in jail. They want to take him out. They don't want people to be allowed to vote for him. Of course, that means that people can't vote against him. But they don't want people to be able to vote for Trump because 
of the fact that they're worried about maybe too many people will vote for Trump and that he'll win an election again like he did in 2016. So that's what they're worried about. And so they're, they obviously don't have a problem with that. They obviously don't have problems with uh, selection, selective enforcement of the law. Like again, Hunter uh, so far has been able to get away with things that you or I probably would land us in jail for a long time. We would have already been in jail probably doing the, the things. And so, so to Joe Biden and a lot of things, we haven't forgotten about Hillary Clinton either with her email scandals and whatnot. So apparently they don't have that problem with the fascist um, way of handling things and protecting their own. So they don't have a problem with that. They don't have a problem with interference with commerce or the way we do business or the way um, boardrooms operate or who, who the boardrooms can um, hire and talk to and what you can sell, what you can't sell. They don't seem to have a problem with that. Um, if the state says that you cannot have a gas range, then uh, doggone it, you're not going to have a gas range and the left has no problem with that. So... They don't have a problem with that part of fascism. Uh, maybe it's the political violence associated with fascism. People kicking down doors and uh, uh, throwing people in jail en masse. And the political enemies being taken out. And political violence, well, you know, um, the summer of 2020 kind of disabused us of that notion. That... that um, you know, they, they were about uh, doing things peacefully because apparently the left has absolutely no problem with political violence so long as it fits their program. And they only have problem with uh, violence if it doesn't fit their program. So that's why they'll go on against the January 6th rioters and try and call them insurrectionists. Meanwhile, the actual insurrectionists, people actually tried to uh, take over portions of the government and like the the uh, Chaz zone that they had back in 2020 and all that and, and firebombing of courthouses and attacking the White House and that sort of thing and uh, before that with Kavanaugh trying to storm the um, trying to storm the uh, Supreme Court over that they didn't have problems with that kind of insurrectiony kind of behavior if you ask me they you know so they don't have the problem with the political violence, people, you know, uh, people uh, looting and burning and pillaging uh, stuff when it suits their purposes. So that's not the problem they have. So what is the problem that the left has with fascism? Apparently the only problem is really any sense of nationalism that being done for the purpose of uh, national development as opposed to some nebulous world or global thing that they're going on, or their own cabal, their own party. So that seems to be the only difference is, you know, they don't seem to like borders, you know, fascism kind of, kind of like, uh, the fascists kind of like borders because they like having their nation and stuff like that. They do, they are a bit nationalistic are the traditional fascists. Um, the, tr the neo-fascist or the um, 
I don't know, new new wave, 21st century fascist, if you want. Um, don't have too many problems with that. Um, like I said, they, they're worried about the border between Ukraine and Russia, but pretty much any other border um, between any of the European nations and between France and Britain or between Mexico and the United States, uh, they don't have too much of a problem with that. Um, people crossing those borders at will. So apparently they're only concerned with a single national border in the world and that is the border between the UK, Ukraine and Russia. Um, so apparently that is the only difference. Um, again, not averse to political violence, not averse to using the law to, um, you know, do kangaroo courts and trumped up charges and jail their political opponents. They don't have any problem with that. Uh, they don't have any problem with meddling in business and telling businesses what they can and cannot do. They don't have any problem with that. All those uh, um, things of, of with fascism. I don't know. Maybe it's the the uniforms. I guess maybe they uh, prefer different color uniforms for you know they don't like black shirts or brown shirts. Maybe they want to come up with some other kind of shirt. Um, so, I don't know. Is it the jack boots and the uniforms that they don't like? Or is it more likely the the cohesive national borders is really the only problem? And is that, you know, the borders um, limit their potential for power only to within those borders. Now, if they're globalists, Right, that limits their. They don't. There's no limit on their power anywhere in the globe. They can do their um, fascist, 21st fascist, 21st century fascism thing. Um, they can have their power anywhere on the globe. Um, so really, you know, they they see borders as a hindrance to them, really, to uh, spreading their power and gaining power. So apparently, um, I think we've discovered. The only problem, only real problem that the left has with fascism or traditional fascism is the borders. Um, but pretty much they're pretty cool with everything else uh, about fascism. And so there you go. That is my rant for today. And we got it in under an hour and we still got a little bit of actual news in to boot. <clears throat> And so I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening and following LibertyRelearn.com online, following at LR Podcasts on Getter and Liberty Relearned on Facebook. And also thank you for uh, listening and watching the podcast on Rumble. Which, if you haven't uh, watched the podcast on Rumble, this would probably be a great one. Very entertaining, I think. Uh, this will be a classic. This one, I think this um, episode will go down. Um, at the end of the year, when I do my retrospective of all my best episodes of the year, this one is going to be on it. This is going to be a classic rant. So, but anyway, thank you all, seriously, for indulging me in this. And hopefully you've been entertained, but also learned a little bit bit. So until next time, stay healthy, happy, and free.